On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Grab your Bibles. I want to open up this morning with a concern I have about me, right? Um, and unfortunately, I'm going to project it onto all of you. So, because misery loves company. So, th- there it is. Um, I struggle. I struggle regularly. Uh, it's, it, and it's, in, when I say regularly, I mean, I mean daily. I struggle with two issues. I, I don't know what I'm thinking, and I don't know why I do what I do. You ever find yourself just going, what was that? What just came out of my face? Why did I just act like that? Where was that coming? Right? There, there, this, this is struggle in my life. And, and I struggle with understanding my thoughts, my desires. I am genuinely confused by my motives. I'm like, I say I want that, but then I went and did that. Anybody? Okay. Uh, Proverbs tells me we gotta, that we got to guard our hearts. Because from our hearts, that's, that's what's going to determine the course of our life. What's going on inside? We, we got we to gotta protect that, right? And, and so two sentences are constantly finding the way they're to the forefront of my thinking like all day long, again, almost daily. Why did I just do that? And why did I just say that? There's just stuff that happens. I'm like, who's that about? What, what was, I, I, re, I reacted when I could have responded. Those are two very different things. I reacted in that situation. What was that about? Why, why did I do that? I, I want to read something to you this morning that I wish I could say that I wrote um, because it sounds like me, it describes me, and I want to take credit for it, uh, but I can't. Uh, This one person, this person has helped me more in my Christian spiritual formation than anybody else. Um, A guy named Paul. So open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Come with me. Romans chapter 7. Open up your phones. Open up your iPads, whatever, you, your your tablets, right? Or if you don't have a Bible, grab the one in the chair back. Grab that. You go to page 176 because you're going to want to read this with me. I'm going to go into Romans chapter 7. And I have a feeling uh, that we could all sign our name at the bottom of this passage, right? Romans chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 14. And I'm going to read all the way to the end of this chapter. Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, because it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Anyone? Anyone? The trouble's with me. I would like to blame you. Him, her, them, etc. Government, uh, society, cult. I would like to blame a lot of people. The trouble is with me. Because I'm all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. Because I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with that the law is good. So I'm not the one that's doing the wrong. It's the sin living in me and that's doing it, right? Verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. 
But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that's doing it, right? Uh, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, exclamation point, verse 25. Thank God, exclamation point, verse 25. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You can say amen if you want. Okay, all right, because that was pretty depressing. Again, I want to sign my name right here and go, "Uh uh-huh. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. See, see, I got issues. I got issues, and I got to figure out how to scour my brain how to cleanse my heart because it's a mess. Here's the really tricky part is that I'm really good at fooling you. I, I, can, I can look right. I, I can do the right things. I can say the right things. But you have no idea the things that are going on in here. This is the serious mess. So he said, in my mind. Because I can smile at you and call you a jerk. Here. Anybody, are you all just like praying for me at this moment? Or are you going, this is my problem. I, I want to tell you that, oh yeah, I got it all together. I'm the pastor. That, this describes me. Somehow, I got to align my spirit. And I love that that's where chapter 8 takes off. Chapter 8 takes off right there. It says, life in the spirit. So now there's no condemnation. All that being said, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, because I belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed me from the power of sin that leads to death. And I go, oh, good. Okay, there was something good in that, in that, that those passages. I'm like going, this is depressing. Until I get to that. I'm like, oh, there's no condemnation in Christ, right? See, the Spirit, this life-giving Spirit, frees us from the power of sin, which is, whoop, that's excellent, right? But what now? Okay, so I'm freed from the power of sin. This Spirit, right, here it is, Romans chapter 7, this Spirit, right, frees us, it says, oh my gosh, this saves us from the weakness of our sinful nature. I'm like, very cool, but what now? Okay, I get it. I I hear you, right? In verse 6, it says, Paul says, watch this, when the Spirit controls our mind, watch this, it leads to life and peace. Awesome! But what now? Okay, I hear you. This is great. See, my question is, What is my job in all of this? See, I made this mess. Do I have any responsibility in the toxic cleanup? 
I, I made this mess, right? And you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. We cannot pray ourselves out of something we behaved ourselves into. God simply says, behave yourself out of that now. I'm walking with you. My grace is with you. My mercy is with you. My kindness is with you. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I'm for you, but you've got to behave yourselves out of that. No, can't you just sprinkle magic spirit, Holy Spirit dust? Can't you just bring like a wand and ding, ding? No. Come with me. Come to the left. I'm going to go into, uh, I'm going to go into Hebrews, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, right? You got your Bible bookshelf up here. Hebrews chapter 12. Watch this, or chapter 4, rather. Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4. Listen now. Because, because i got to behave myself out of what I behaved myself into. You cannot behave yourself out of cancer because you didn't behave yourself in Well, maybe some people do behave themselves into cancer. That might not be a good example. But, but you see what I'm saying? I, I don't have to behave myself out of a, a health issue or, or something happened economically. You know, the stock market crashes. Well, I behaved myself into that, and then all of a sudden my money's gone. It's like, oh, now what do I do? There's those moments. I'm, I'm talking about stuff where I'm choosing to think about, to look at, to listen to, to dwell on. The stuff that I have chosen, this is what I'm going to fill up my mind and heart with i got to choose not to fill up my mind and heart with that stuff. Here's what he says. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12, listen to what he says. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Watch this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Man, I need that. Remember what I started with and I projected onto you? I don't know why I do what I do. Why do I think, like, what was that about? She said something and I just went, it was zero to rage in a second. What set me up? What was that about? The big question, why? Well, here it is. If I have the word, I can figure out what's going on in my innermost thoughts and desires. Look at verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Oh, everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He's the one to whom we are accountable. All the stuff I can hide from you, mm, he sees. And and as we consider our responsibility, our ability to respond to the, the stuff in our minds, I see this and I go, oh, we're responding with this as we are responding to this. Catch that? When I respond, I go, oh, watch this. That's me. Romans chapter 7. The problem is with me. Oh, my response is, mm-hmm. I respond to it, but now I can go, I can respond with it. He's given me instruction on how to get over the mess. Okay? By responding to, I own it. This is me. He's outlined. I go, oh, I see myself. Watch this. I see myself here and here and here and here and here. I see myself all over. And I go, okay, how do I get out of that? How, how did you make a way? 
Remember Romans chapter 8. Jesus. Okay, got it. This is why I said last week that I read the Bible because I need the Bible. I am desperate in my mess. I am desperate. When I respond to the Bible, I get understanding for my thoughts, my desires, my motives. When I respond with the Bible, I get to scour my brain. I get to cleanse my heart. And the biblical responses that I get are what aligns my spirit with his spirit. I go, that's what I want to do it like that. That's what the series is all about. The Thrive Series. Now, I, I've been telling you about this. I, I want to make a note. These are available in the Resource Center. Yes, it's a book I wrote. None of the money goes to me. So anybody thinks that I'm, I'm pushing a book, oh, he's pushing his book. No, listen, I'm pushing, I'm pushing a way of life. I'm asking you to consider a life that thrives. So I made these available in the Resource Center, but I want you to know this doesn't go to my retirement account. I know people are like, wow, he's selling his own book. Well, it, it's, it's the church. It all, go, it all goes right back into everything that we're doing here. But I want to review this concept, this Thrive Review concept. So here's the, here's the Thrive Review. This, we're right now, we're just sticking out in the roots. Okay? This is just the roots. And this is the first section of four. We'll be going through all four in this series. But this section is called Daily Belonging. This is where I, I know this is where I belong. I find my place in the world. I know, doesn't that sound like a cute song? Okay, I I find my place in the world, right? I'm like, got it, okay. This is how I'm supposed to function in this world. Keep in mind, it's all done beneath the soil. It's in private. It's all done where this stuff that I'm talking about in these weeks, nobody gets to see. This is between me and God. God knows what I'm doing. I I, I know what I'm doing. And I can come, I can show, oh, the word of the Lord. Right? You ever talk to those people? I, I, I sometimes go, I'm such a slug. I talk to people like, how you doing? Oh, man, if I was any more blessed, I'd be twins. I'm like, wow. I'm a mess. Because I have a hard time getting into it because I'm busy. I got things to do. My schedule is full. I haven't got time to read the Bible. But I go, I got to make time. And I start carving things out. It's vicious. Because I need this. But it's done in the private. Last week, I started with reading God's word. Right? That's the first part we're going, hey man, we got to get into this. Right? It reveals our thoughts and motives. It reveals our, what's, what's our heart doing, right? And keep in mind, this is the taproot. I talked about this last week. It's the taproot. It's the revelation of God. Who he is, what he's done. That's why we got to read God's word. These next three roots are our responses. I went over this last week. Our responses to the revelation of God, right? The first one is meditation. This is what we're going we're to hang out here today. Right? Meditation. This is, you can fill this one in. If you got the app, you got your app open, this is your first blank, right? Meditation is the process of cultivating God's will into our life. Listen to what I just said. Meditation is not, right? Meditation is the process of cultivating God's will into our life. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard in my years of ministry, and I've been in ministry a long time, how many people say, I just want to do what God wants me to do. I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Um, pick that up and you'll find out. You don't know what God wants? He made it clear what he wants. Walk humbly. Mercy. Kindness. 
Meditation is the process of cultivating God's will in our lives, and I'm going to be unpacking that today. Then we have the prayer route. We're going to hit this next week, talking about prayer. I think it's missing. I think we're missing prayer. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, fast one gets the most. Let's go. That's about it. It's about it. We're going to get into the prayer route. We're going to look at our connection, our communication with God. That's next week. And then this last route is worship. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. It's moving the revelation of God from our head to our heart. How do I live this out, right? And again, these roots are all non-negotiable. All these things, just try and take one of them away. Go for it. Take one away. What is a Christian without worship? What is a Christian who doesn't read God's word? What is a Christian who doesn't pray? It's impossible to say. It's impossible to say, I'm a Christian. I just don't, I don't, I don't meditate on his word. Okay. How do you do that? This root section, this is how we're getting to know God. I want to know him. I want him to know me. That's where the motives of my heart, I go, oh, you know. You know what makes me go. Ah. Our lives are filled. Beloved, hear me. Our lives are filled with limitations. Watch this. Limitations and invitations. And we need to accept both. Limitations and invitations. And we need to accept both. We need to accept our limits. I, I can't do that. I'm not, watch this. They want to do something. All my friends are getting together. I'm not strong enough to do what you guys are doing. If I go do that, I'll be a serious, I'm already a mess. But if I partake with you guys in that, I'm going to be a serious mess. There are limitations in our lives. And God is asking us to say no. And sometimes the things he's asking us to say no to are actually good things. I've had God tell me, no. But Lord, that's such a great thing. No. That's not for you, it's not for this season, it's not now. Uh, quick side note, God's answers are usually three words, and because I'm really simple, it gotta be really simple answers. No, go, slow. That's it. He either says yes or no, or it's coming. No, go, slow. That's the way he speaks to me, because I can barely handle one word. Hey, hey, no, no, that's not for you. But it's such a great thing. No, don't do it. And then there are invitations, listen to me now, there are invitations in our lives and God is asking us to say yes to and they are always good things. Catch that. The stuff he's asking us to say no to, sometimes they're good things. Most of the time, it's that yeah, will not serve you well. But when he asks us to say yes to something, it is always a good thing. How do we discern the difference between the two? We have to recognize what's called consolations, that which moves us toward God, and desolations, that which moves us away from God. I, I don't feel right. When I do that kind of stuff, I, I feel farther away from God. How do we sort out these opportunities that God's given us? All the opportunities in our life, we have lots of opportunities. Hey, we could do this. We could go here. We could see there. We could be with this person. We, we, a lot of opportunities. How do we sort them? When do we say no? When do we say yes? I think the answer is in meditation. I think we have to meditate. And I know that freaks everybody out. Are you talking about? Here's meditate. Here's the definition of meditate. Definition of meditate. To think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time. Sometimes in silence. Sometimes it's chanting religious, right? They, 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 it continues to get up bigger, bigger, bigger. Meditation is simply thoughtful contemplation and reflection. 
There, basic. I'm just thinking about stuff. We're using our eyes, we're using our ears, we're using our minds, we're stopping. If you're filling in the blanks, here's another one for you. Cultural meditation. Cultural meditation, which is often the opposite of biblical meditation. Cultural meditation says, empty your mind. Biblical meditation says, fill your mind. And that's what makes it so radically different. A lot of people are, oh, I'm into meditation. I just got to empty myself of all this. That's, that's, that's the first step. Biblical meditation says, fill your mind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, hey, the message, we got to allow the message of Christ with all of its riches, we have to allow that to fill our lives. We got to teach and we got to counsel each other with the wisdom that comes from his words to us. Probably the process used most often for meditation is systematic reading. That's why reading God's word is so important. That's how meditation moves us from being hearers to doers. We may be into, uh, I don't know, James Clear or Tony Robbins or Stephen Covey or Brene Brown, Marie Kondo. This brings me joy, right? I don't, I don't know who you're into, right? What, what, what allows you to, to really meditate. And I want you to know, all these people, they all have some good things to say in the midst of their writings. But you know what the Bible says? We've got to meditate on God's words. I've got to meditate on this. He's got instructions for us. Watch this. Open your Bibles to Psalms. Come with me, please. Psalms 119. The book of Psalms, this one is the longest of the Psalms. This one Psalm, in this one Psalm, we are told, we are told to meditate, concentrate, follow, search, reflect, obey, recite, study, desire, understand, cling to. God's laws, precepts, instructions, commandments, decrees, regulations, promises, ways, commands, teachings. Whew. I want to encourage you to read Psalm 119 this week. It's broken down into 22 sections with eight verses in each section. Each section begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, He, Wa. Those are all, that's the Hebrew alphabet, and they just wrote a poet, a poem, and because we can't get it in English, but these are written according to the Hebrew alphabet. And so it's, it's written, and, those, and all these phrases are starting with those letters of the Hebrew alphabet. I, I encourage you to read this this week. Today, I want to look at meditation as a response. How can we respond to the stuff that's going on? If you're filling it in, it's because meditation's a work route. Meditation's a work route. It's stuff that we gotta do. We gotta get to this. This route and, again, meditation, the accompanying work, is gonna look a little different for everybody. And that's okay. You're gonna meditate differently than I'm gonna meditate. We're gonna meditate on the word differently, and that's all right. But my hope is that meditation will become a delight for everybody who's hearing me today, that it'll become a delight Right? Psalm 1-2 says, they delight in the law of the Lord. They, watch this, meditate on it day and night. The world has just absconded with this, this phrase. And we go, meditation? You can't do that in church. Christians don't meditate. Oh, sure we do. We started this thing. This is, God is asking us to do this. You can fill this in. One of the steps beyond reading for meditation, and I believe this is probably the easiest step, is writing for meditation. It's the easiest step. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll lay them out for you guys because there's different ways that we can, 
we can meditate, right? There's silence, solitude, fasting, memorization. I'm like, <laughs> that's why I say writing for meditation is one of the simplest forms of meditation. Writing, it's, what, it's actually what got me going into the other forms. I started by writing for meditation, and it moved into solitude, into silence, into fasting, into memorization of scripture. I was like, oh, but first, I just started writing. It's what I call growth journaling. It's what I call growth journaling. It's just, again, this is just one of the ways that we can respond, but I love growth journaling because it helps me get a walk it out. So what can I do to, to get you cultivated, your will cultivated into my life? When we're growth journaling, we're responding. We're bringing application to the information. We're bringing perspiration to the inspiration. I, I need to walk this thing out. I hear what you're asking me to do. A friend of mine, the pastor of Real Life Church named Rusty George, he told me this. He said, spiritual maturity is directly connected to the length of time between hearing the word of God and doing it. I'll let you sit there for a little bit. A friend of mine said, spiritual maturity is directly connected to the length of time between hearing the word of God and doing it. Now, I want you to know the rule among pastors and preachers, right? It's like the first time that you say it, you have to give that person credit. And then the second time you say it, or the third time you say it, well, I, it's what I always say. So what I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, from now on, there it is. <laughs> you know what I say? The spiritual maturity is directly, okay. It's so true, though. What, what really inspired me to journaling was a quote from a guy named Dawson Trotman. Some of you have heard of The Navigators, an organization called The Navigators. He said this, thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and fingertips. You ever find yourself just going, I'm having this conversation and it's all starting to make sense now. Just uh, the ability to talk it out. I'm like, oh my gosh, and the revelations are going off, right? Anybody ever had that happen? Same thing happens when you write. You start to write and you're like, oh my, what? There it is. It becomes clear. I want to invite you to come disentangle with me this Wednesday night. 7 o'clock, I'm going to be here. We're going to do a journaling workshop. 7 o'clock this Wednesday night. We have journals in the Resource Center. Uh, if you want journals, go to the 99 cent store. That's where I've gotten a bunch of mine, right? I mean, the, these are in the Resource Center if you want one of those. But this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, in fact, a couple of groups are coming at 6. We're going to have dinner here. They're just going to bring their own dinners. And I'm like, okay, cool. But we're going to do a growth journaling workshop. Ah, what are you talking about, this meditation, writing for meditation? What is that all about? I'm just going to show you a, a, a method that's a couple thousand years old, actually. Uh, I, I, I've kind of updated. I think it'll, it'll become relevant for you. But this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, here at the church. Allow me to close this morning with a parable. The Holy Spirit is like a painter. What a mess, right? Because he's working on all of us. The Holy Spirit is trying to bring us an understanding in our lives. He, our hearts. Our hearts are the canvas on which he paints a vision for our lives. He goes, here's what I have for you. Here's what God has for you. Now, the Holy Spirit could paint like P.A. Mondrian. This is P.A. Mondrian, right? Holy Spirit could paint like that. 
he, in his iconic abstracts, he uses basic colors, right? Basic colors, basic lines, basic shapes. And while this has value, are you ready? This sold at Sotheby's for $51 million. And was done by a third grader just up the road. Okay. I'm like, wow, red, blue, white, yellow, squares, black, what? $51 million. I decided I'm going to stop pastoring today. I'm going to go into painting. $51 million. And it is, it is, uh, it is again, has value, but I just don't think the Holy Spirit paints like this. I think he paints something fantastic, but I, but I, want, you, I want you to look at this painting. This is Morgan Freeman. This is a picture. This is a painting. On your right is a painting. On your left is the original photograph. It's called hyper-realistic art. Again, here's another picture. You're going to be very familiar with this one, National Geographic. This is the picture. This is the painting. On your left is the picture. On your right is the painting. And as amazing as I think that is, I don't think the Holy Spirit paints this clearly with this kind of perfection in my life. I, I just don't think he does. As long as we're walking around in these sacks of skin and bones, I, I think we're just going to try and get a, 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 a basic understanding of our lives. He's trying to give a vision of our lives. The beauty is, and you can fill this in, this is your last blank, the Bible is the palette of colors that the Holy Spirit uses to paint a vision for our lives. That's why I don't, I'm not into the P.A. Mondrian. Three colors, that's it? Primary colors, really? You gotta be kidding me. With everything at, at his disposal, he used three colors? Four, if you include the black lines? The Bible is the palette of colors that the Holy Spirit uses to paint our lives. The more well-versed we are in Scripture, the more colors the Spirit has to use to paint a vision for our lives. The more we know about who God is and how he revealed himself and about ourselves, the Holy Spirit's able to give me clarity of moving forward. Now, I think the Spirit is more of an impressionist like Monet. This is Monet's impression of the Garden of Giverny. And for those who had lived back then, they would go, oh, I've been there. I know the Garden of Giverny. Oh, yeah, I've seen those water lilies. I was at that pond. I went across that green bridge. Oh, that Monet's painted the green bridge. I've been across that green bridge all the time, right? People, people would make that, those comments, you know? And so this picture that he painted, it's an impression. He's an impressionist. This picture that he painted is his impression of the Garden of Giverny in France. This is, this is my palette. This is, this is my personal palette. And this, this is my impression of Monet's impression. This is my impression of Monet's impression. So I took his painting and I thought, that is so beautiful. I thought, wow. And so I painted his, I, Im, I impressioned his impression. You could clearly see the difference and who is a master and who is a young Jedi, right? But, but here's what happened. My palette created colors 
I'm trying to match. I'm like, wow, wow, there's such a beautiful painting. I was, I was so thrilled by the painting. I was like, ooh, it's so beautiful. And, and so this hangs in my living room. Just my impression of his impression. I think God wants to give us an impression for our lives. He wants to say, hey, here's a direction I want you to go. That you would recognize. You go, oh, I know that. I see that. He'll show you your workplace of what it could be if you would let him flow through you. He'll show you relationships at the grocery store of what could be if you allow the word to flow through your lives. He'll give us the colors. I think the Spirit wants to give us an impression of what our life could be. And I don't think it's abstract. That we have to go, what is that? Am I, is that a right side up or upside down? Right? I don't think the Holy Spirit paints like that. He's not going, you're going to have to figure this out. I don't think the Holy Spirit is perfectly clear. I think he gives impressions. Here's what I have for you. But as far as I'm concerned, the more colors, the better. And the Bible is the palette of colors that he uses. Here's the scriptures for today. You don't have the app, take a picture of that. That's what I was talking about. I went through these scriptures today. I encourage you to read them this week. Also, in reading, chapter 7. Chapter 7, pages 87 through 101. 14 pages. Two pages a day between now and next Sunday. Can we do it? I can do that. Okay? Now, normally, we would stop right now. And we would, we would make everybody uncomfortable by moving into small groups. We're not going to do that. Today, instead of making everybody uncomfortable with that, we're going to take five minutes to meditate. I'm going to make you all uncomfortable that way. So get rid of everything in your hands. Put your purses down, your Bibles down. Get rid of it. Stick it under your chair. Get ready. Here we go. Put your feet flat on the ground. Feet flat on the ground. I want you to just take your hands. Open them up. See, this, this is the way, you, you, when you want to receive something, you open them. You don't receive something like this, right? I'm going to throw, throw a ball at you. You go, no, no, we teach our kids, don't catch a ball with your hands closed. Right? You got to open them up. So you open them up. Watch this. Feet on the ground. Sit up straight. Hands open. You can put them on your lap. Just let them sit there on your lap. We are by choice moving ourselves right now. Pastor Marty's been yammering. We're going to move ourselves to a place of quiet solitude. Watch this. Breathe in, breathe out. We're going to move from control to receptivity. We're going to move from authority to surrender. I want to move from information to formation. I want to move from observing to obeying. I want to move from being determined to being submitted. I want to move from clenching to releasing. Hmm. 
This is a practice I've had for a while. It's called breath prayers. If you look on the screen, these are breath prayers. Inhale, Abba. Exhale, give me your peace. Abba. Give me your peace. Abba. Give me your peace. Choose one of these. Just choose one. And just quietly, just sit there. And just inhale, exhale. Abba, I belong to you. Lord, I trust you. Help me to trust you. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Take a breath in until it hurts, until you can't hold it anymore. And then let it all the way out until there's nothing left in your lungs. Abba, I belong to you. I'm going to have you open your eyes, take a look at the screen. Meditate on this. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Just read it. Read it once, read it twice. What stands out to you? I've removed all capital letters, so you can decide. That should be in all caps. That word is the most. Can I bold and italicize that? Just take a look at this verse. fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right what's pure what's lovely what's admirable let's fix our thoughts let's think about the things that are excellent that are worthy of praise That, my friends, is meditation. That was meditation. 
weird? Here's what's weird about it. When's the last time you were that quiet for that long? I know I was trying to direct you in the middle of it, but once you get it, you don't have my voice anymore. You just sit there and let it happen. Here's the thing that we're going to learn this Wednesday night, right? So now what do I do with it? Now that I've meditated, now that I cleaned it out, get rid of all the distraction, become aligned, that, that centering is what it's called, right? Now that I've done that, now that I got this, this scripture, I've meditated on it, oh, this stood out to me. What do you do? You take a journal, you write it out. All right, Lord, here's, here's what I'm going to start thinking about because I've been thinking about these things instead and I'm choosing to start thinking about the. You just begin to write it out. Not weird, not odd. People have been doing it for thousands of years, meditating on God's word day and night. It's not that hard. And it's not weird. I, I know people in the church, I talk about it, people are like, we're talking about meditating? We're Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you'll join me on Wednesday night. That's meditation. We just did that for four minutes. <laughs> four minutes. I counted. Imagine you could do that at home in a chair. I got kids. Are you kidding? I know, I know. You have to figure out where. You have to figure out the time. I have people get in their cars, get to work early, sit in their car before they get into work. We can all do that. Five minutes. Just stop. Center. Bring peace again. And I don't know about you, but can you feel the difference in this room when all we did was align ourselves, align our hearts and our minds, get it all correct? Mmm. It changes things. You need this tomorrow morning. No, you're going to need this this afternoon. So now you have some tools. I'm going to go over some more of it. Uh, you guys got the lament that I did on Christmas Eve. It's another way to align our hearts and minds. It can align us, and God, we need, God wants us to be aligned in these days. 